This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka, and that is me, and I am here with Twitter's Tony Hale. Welcome, Tony. Thank you. It's great to be here. Normally, I ask you what you do and, and what's going on at Twitter, but we don't have to do that anymore because you guys have helpfully produced a, a commercial explaining what you're doing at Twitter. So let's play that for a second. Are you ready to take Twitter to the next level? Then you need to sign up for Twitter Blue. So you can Twitter faster, stronger, harder, smarter, and, and also stronger. Wow. 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 I, I can, can feel, feel the, the difference. difference. Twitter Blue is a premium subscription with features like bookmark folders, ad-free articles, and undo tweet. Now tweet and undo. It's exercise, but it's also staring at your phone, which is what I like to do. Let's check out ad-free articles. Now pick one and scroll, scroll. You're doing great. R.I.P. Twitter, more like let's get ripped, Twitter. Give those sad noodles you call fingers the upgrade they deserve with Twitter Blue. Join your heroes and sign up for Twitter Blue today. Okay. So normally we charge people to run ads on this podcast, but that's that's your free ad. That's Twitter Blue. This is the thing that you helped build. Yeah. Did you make the ad too? Uh, I didn't, but I can tell you that the swag in that ad is now the most sought after swag across all of Twitter. This Everyone wants it. Depending on your age, you'll either recognize that stuff as something you used to consume as a young person, or it looks like something that from the past that you've never seen. I'm, I'm in the former group. It is something where I am also in the former group. You were a jazzerciser? I mean, who wasn't in those days? I have a very scarring experience. I had a Men at Work tape, which was one of the first things I ever bought, and I came home, and my mom and grandma were jazzercising to it. With, like, full, like, leg warmers and I don't everything. know that they were doing leg warmers, but it was scarring. I've, I've blocked a lot of it out. Uh, welcome. Tony, you uh, used to run Chartbeat, digital publishing analytics. Then you ran Scroll, which we'll talk about. Well, that got bought by Twitter and now has been incorporated in this thing called Twitter Blue. And now you're at Twitter rolling out Twitter Blue. So this is a paid product. It's three bucks a month. It's got a bunch of stuff in it, including the thing that you worked on for the last couple of years. I want to talk to you about all of it. Okay. But first, really big picture. Twitter is a free social media platform like Facebook, like MySpace in the old days, like TikTok. Um, as far as I can tell, it's the first one to offer a paid product to consumers. Why are you guys offering a paid product on top of the free ad-supported product? So um, the f- first thing is important to note that Twitter itself will always be free. Like The core of Twitter will always be a free. I said on top of. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think for us, it's... It allows us to do a bunch of things um, and, and experiment. One of the things that you've seen over the last couple of years or so, and one of the reasons why I was so excited to join Twitter, was just the pace of development and innovation and just experimenting and trying out new things and trying those things out in public. And so this is one of those things. We want to be able to say, like, what what can we start to do? If, we, if there are features that may not serve everybody, but for really heavy tweeters, heavy non-tweeters who like to read a lot of tweets, news junkies, how can we serve them? And uh, with Twitter Blue in particular, this was also a recognition for us that 
Twitter is so tightly bound in with the world of kind of words and journalism and content. And so Twitter Blue is also our way of saying, like, how do we not just kind of like experiment within Twitter, but how do we create kind of new business models for journalism in general? Um, the whole notion of a kind of rising tide. So There's a bunch of stuff in there. But but yeah. the main idea is Twitter Blue seems to be like stuff that a Twitter power user might want to use. The people who use TweetDeck in the past might still use TweetDeck in the past. People who listen to this podcast who are serious about media and Twitter and social media. But what is the point of charging for it as opposed to say, hey, here's a product for hardcore Twitter users and it's also free just like the rest of Twitter? I mean, I think to a, uh, to a certain degree as well, it's about like – diversifying business models as well. I mean, this is something that we've been talking about for a few years now. And I think it's valuable. I think it's been valuable for publishers when they've diversified their business models. Right. But the difference is when 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 publishers say, we're now going to have a paywall, we're now having a subscription offering, the least successful ones are just saying, here's something else that you can pay for. Most of them are saying, we're kind of pivoting our whole business towards you know, instead of being ad supported, we're going to be consumer supported. The New York Times is the best example of that pivot. But that's not what you guys are doing here. Like we said, you're going to remain, the bulk of Twitter is going to be this free ad supported business. So you're not, it's not a significant diversification, right? No, but it's, uh, it's, an, it's right now it's an experiment. Uh, and it's one we're very excited by. And it's also not something that's that unusual within, uh, within the world of tech, you know, kind of freemium businesses uh, abound who make money in different ways and say, for our standard free users, you get this great, amazing, Right. free experience, and then for power users, um, here's a way to get uh, what you want. But just to beat that in the ground, the, usually mm -hmm. the freemium model is we have a free-to-play, free-to-use product that we don't really make a lot of money from, and where we make most of our money is charging our whales, right? That's the gaming business. You get almost all your money from 5% or something less than that. But people who are buying Fortnite skins, everyone else plays Fortnite for free. But that's, again, not what we're doing here. This is not going to buoy Twitter's business. Yeah, this is, we are 24 hours into yeah. an experiment to look at a different way of uh, of building a business, a different way of funding journalism, and how to better kind of serve power users. So, you're 24 hours from a red eye, so I appreciate you yes, coming in and, and making me, answering the same question four times. So I'll stop asking the same question. We're done. We won't do a fifth one. Um, there's a bunch of products in there in Twitter Blue. It's sort of a, a, a grab bag of stuff. How do you decide what goes in the grab bag and what isn't ready for prime time? So I think there's a few things um, when we've been making decisions. One are uh, things where people get to customize Twitter in some way. So people like really like Twitter, but like uh, if you've used it for a while, like Jack posted, uh, he did uh, he customized the tabs at the bottom of, uh, of his Twitter app, uh, and he removed the notifications uh, thing from that. I imagine he gets a lot of notifications. Mm -hmm. So the ability to customize uh, is is one thing that we've seen. Another thing is like for features that might actually go out. Um, to a broader uh, broader group later, so the to, uh, kind of the general audience so later. So something that you're paying for now might eventually be free for everybody. So we have this notion called Twitter Labs, which is where we're like, if we if we want to try things out, we like building in public, we're going to put it in labs, we're going to test it, going to learn from some of our heaviest kind of like most pa uh, most kind of superpower users, and then we'll, we can make decisions. Either we can, it can go out for general audience, we can keep it within blue, we can, we can go from there. So we've got a few different features in there, such as like longer video, uh, for example, and I'm sure you'll see more. But like for Twitter Blue members, 
one of the critical things as well is like, can we get to like, we love playing with these things first. We want to be able to see this stuff. We want to explore. And it's kind of like a win-win for us because we learn faster uh, and people get first. And then the third uh, thing is like features for kind of like heavy news consumers. And this is where things like ad-free articles and top articles uh, come in. It's like, how do we better serve people who uh, come to Twitter dance? Like, like I want to be informed and uh, I want uh, multiple different ways in which I can interact or change the experience that I get around. I want to talk to you about those two in a second, those two last two features um the one that i beyond beyond the 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 ad free thing and the the thing that used to be called nuzzle i think the one that most people who are paying attention to this are, are interested in is undo tweets yeah which is a little misleading it sounds like because it's not tweets but editable right i can't edit a tweet i can't take a tweet that i've actually sent out and retract it right that's still the nature of twitter is you tweet it it's out there unless you delete it so it, it works in much the same way as undo send with gmail yeah which is what we're doing is you can you do your tweet, you press the tweet button, and then it brings it up into a view where you can see your tweet as the, in the way that it should be. And it gives you a certain amount of time that you can set as to whether you want to edit and go back and change it. Or preview you, mode. Yeah. And what that... It's, I've, so I've been using it for the last few months, and it's actually amazing how much it has saved me um, from any number of just like typos uh -huh. or like just even a beat to think and go, do I really want to tweet that? Maybe not. Right. It's not that I was drunk tweeting last night and I woke up this morning and I have a lot of regret. I'm going to try to turn back time. So you have been following my tweets. <laughs> um, no, it's much, it's much more about like, do we give you a moment? To pause, you to really check. want to say that. Do, but also, like the you know, I I am a typo machine, and so the ability, like, the ability to go in, correct those, and just have that quick check has really kind of like saved me on any number of occasions. So the reason you have come on my podcast a couple of times is because you are deeply immersed in the media business. Your last startup, which was acquired by Twitter in May was called Scroll. We labored for many years to figure out a good way to describe what Scroll is. And I basically said it's a subscription ad blocking service, which is not technically correct, but it's directionally correct. It allows you to read news sites without ads if they're participating. And then the, the publishers get that money that you're paying, that you're, that you, the consumer are spending. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty clunky way of saying it, which is why I just like to say it's an ad blocking service. So I think, I think the way, because as you say, like it's, there's a number of different ways in which we can kind of describe scroll and now ad free articles. We can, and in some ways, the easiest way is to think about it from a consumer perspective and then from a publisher perspective. So from a consumer perspective, it's pretty simple. It's uh, when I'm going through the timeline. There'll be stories from participating publishers, and we have a network of more than 300 sites, people like the Washington Post, Vox, LA Times, um, BuzzFeed. Well, thank you for the disclosure, yes. Thank you, yes. Uh, you are a wonderful partner. And when they click on those stories, the page loads fast. It loads without ads. There's no kind of chum boxes uh, uh, at the bottom. It's just clean, beautiful, the content. The ads are stripped see. out with the publisher's permission. We don't strip out the ads. The publisher chooses to um, show me a page. Uh, show, yeah, so we're not we don't actually touch the page at all. The publisher is in complete control. But from a consumer perspective, they're just getting the content they want to see. They're getting it in the fastest, cleanest way that they can, while still keeping that direct relationship with the site. From a publisher perspective, it gets interesting because this is in, this is in many ways it's the first time we've had a large group of publishers come together, agree to a kind of level playing field for how they want to get paid that doesn't involve advertising where when people come to their site on the open web, they get to deliver an experience and get paid. And they get paid, our goal is 50% more. 
per person than they would have made from uh, serving out to that person. If you want to go deep on this, Tony and I have literally talked about this a couple of times before. You can go back in the archives. They're still free. There's ads attached to those. To be clear, this is not stripping out ads from Twitter, which is another thing people say, oh, I wish I would have had that. Why can't I pay you money to not have ads on Twitter? So I am... I, I, don't, I realize you don't run that business. I don't run that business is the, but fir- is but, the first But I'm sure it. everyone has asked you this, so I'm asking. Sure. And I, like, for us, advertising is still a great way to kind of support the business and to innovate uh, and so forth. We were trying to think through with ad-free articles, what is a way that we can both deliver on experience and also to kind of support the partners that we work with? And, you know, I've been, I've been, on, this, I've been on this train for 10 years now trying to find, like, different ways to fund journalism and you know i've got a litany of kind of graveyard of failures um uh to to my name on that front and this for us is like our our best starting point which is like can we deliver a better experience can we do so in a way that feels like it's doing some good in the world did you guys think through look if we're asking publishers to do to offer an ad-free version of their ad-supported service in exchange for money why shouldn't we offer the same thing to ourselves? Why, why shouldn't Twitter offer the same thing? Uh, I don't know if those conversations have been happening. Uh, it's definitely a different team to my team. My team is focused on how do we kind of help journalism. And so that's what we kind of, uh, that's what we did with Twitter Blue. So Scroll used to be a, was a service you started funded by big publications, including the New York Times, one of the difficulties you had for years was getting publications like Vox, et cetera, to sign on. I believe the Times still hasn't signed on. Now that it's part of Twitter, how do those conversations change when you go to a publisher and say, we're, now we're doing this thing, it's going to be baked into Twitter? Does that make it easier to pitch, harder to pitch? It's, uh, it's definitely easier. Also kind of raises different questions as well. I think like as you say, like when we were, when I was out there as this tiny startup, um, you know, we were like 14, 15 people and we would go and we'd be working with publishers and, uh, and you knew them all cause you'd been the chart beat guy. So you'd been in their newsrooms talking about the how chart digital ads work. Yeah. Yes. Chart beat guy. And they would, we would, we would go and, and we'd be running the business and they'd be, and they'd, they'd say to me quite clearly, they'd be like, Tony, the model works. We make more money per user than we did from serving ads to those users. That's all great. The problem is, is you don't have enough users. Then the next question would be, how are you going to get them? That question somewhat goes away with Twitter. When we have hundreds of millions of people on the platform, the biggest, heaviest news consumers. There's um, not a concern that actually you have too many people, right? Because uh, these guys do are still running an ad-supported business. Is there a worry that actually we can't have all these people sign up to not look at our ads? So I think this is, this is kind of the interesting thing. If we can get if we get real about Twitter, yeah, which is that we have hundreds of millions of users, but we're not Facebook or Google. We're not up there in the duopoly in terms of traffic um, to publishers. I would say that what one of the interesting things about the behavior that we see is that Facebook and Google are much bigger drives of traffic, but Twitter is a much bigger driver of audience. So it's people who are more likely to get a connection to you. Uh, one of the questions that... Uh, wait, wait, one, so spell out the difference between, between sure. traffic and um, audience? 
So traffic is someone clicking on an article to your site. Audience are people who know who you are, like what you do, and come back. And one of the things that we see, the ways we see this is in talking to many, many publishers, especially over the last few months, one of the commonalities we've seen is that people from Twitter are more likely to subscribe and support journalism than when they come from other sources like Facebook or Google and so forth. And so... It's for news junkies. Yeah, so exactly. These are our people. And so for us... What we're trying to think through is for this audience, it's not going to be your whole audience. You're still going to be getting a huge amount of traffic direct. You're going to be getting traffic from the duopoly and so forth. And that's all fine. But for this audience, who are people who are news junkies, who have the potential to become a great audience, and who one day we want to have them subscribe to your own content if you, ha if you have that kind of business model, what can we do to help build that relationship in a way that kind of delivers more revenue, but also delivers the kind of experience where they're more likely to come back? And to, uh, I think I said this, but just to be clear, if I hadn't, this doesn't knock down a paywall. No, uh, it never has. If Washington Post is part of the is part of the platform, Washington Post, right? So I'm a, uh, so it, I'm a Washington Post subscriber. I think I pay with my own money. But if I'm not, and I, and, the, and I hit the Washington Post paywall, Twitter Blue doesn't help me get over that paywall. Exactly. Like we are, we are not in the business of like helping you get past paywalls. Publishers have complete control over how they choose to uh, to set those things. I have other questions for you. I want to take a quick break so we can hear from sponsors. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. And we're back. So back to my first earlier rambling question. Have you been able to sign people up post-acquisition that you weren't getting before? Sure. I mean, you just mentioned the Washington Post. Um, they are a great new partner, the LA Times. And there's a, there's a bunch of others, Rolling Stone, uh, Hollywood Reporter, um, Variety. So there's a, there's a whole group of new publishers that have come in. We also had to transfer all the existing publishers mm -hmm. that we had onto a brand new kind of like integrations and paper and so forth. And one of the things that I'm pretty excited by is having, we've got this amazing partnerships team with Nick Salon, Dana Lacey, uh, Robin Monheit, and the new publishers they're going to be bringing in over the next few months as well. We're going to have a steady kind of drumbeat of kind of expanding networks. We, our goal is quite simply to be delivering kind of more and more value each month, more and more publishers uh, coming in and delivering this kind of experience to the people who choose to have it. And you guys also added something that used to be called Nuzzle, which was, again, Top a articles. Twitter power user thing that always struck me as not going to be a business because it seemed like it's something Twitter should offer, and now Twitter offers it. Twitter offers it. Uh, so this allows you basically to sort of help sort through your news, what the people in your timeline are most interested in. Sure. So uh, what Top Articles does is it looks across all the articles that have been tweeted out by the people you follow over the last 24 hours. And then it's a very simple, transparent algorithm. It just ranks them based upon the number of people in your uh, who you follow uh, who tweeted that, that it's, story. It's even a more filtered, filtered bubble. Yeah, and it's why I, so I, as you said, it was a, it's reminiscent of Nuzzle, and Nuzzle was a company I love so much that I bought the company. And it gives me a completely different view of Twitter. 
that I that I love, and it's and I know that when we had to uh, we had to shut it down during the acquisition, which broke my heart, but was the right thing to do. And for the last six months, journalists in particular have yeah. been tweeting at me about their anger at me uh, about taking this beautiful thing away from them. Yeah, and you give it back, but it costs the the team. <laughs> But it funds journalism with those costs, so it's a it's a perfect circle. That seems like one that really ought to be offered to the general Twitter user base. It's another way of sorting Twitter. Most people won't want to deal with it because it involves buttons and thinking, but it's for news junkies because they know about it and they're the ones who are likely to share it. But it seems like this is a more pleasant way to use Twitter for a lot of folks, a more useful way. I think there's going to be a lot. A whole bunch of ways in which we experiment with kind of what's outside of Twitter Blue, what's within Twitter Blue, whether there are versions that are within or without. Uh, and I know that the the team that have been working on this, and I want to call out as well, like I don't think anyone expected that within six months of joining a large company, we'd be able to ship two brand new products. Um, and they really are brand new products in, in many ways out the door in this, in this time, the team have many, many plans for where they want to take this and what they want to do. They've been thinking about this problem for a very long time. And so I'm really excited to see that. I think one thing to note is that Top Articles works incredibly well for people like you and I. We follow a lot of people, and those people tweet a lot of articles. Not everyone is like us on Twitter. Twitter, Twitter contains multitudes. And so for other people who maybe their feeds aren't so full of articles and so forth, it might not be so valuable. Mm -hmm. So right now, we're launching this within Twitter Blue. I think it's a super valuable feature. It transforms the way that I use Twitter, certainly, um, and gives me kind of context and conversation about the key articles. And we're going to see where we take it from here. Do you have a rubric for like, this is a thing that is interesting and or valuable, but it should be in Twitter blue versus this is a thing that's interesting, valuable, and it should be offered to everyone. And we should graduate it to, we should take it out of the paywall and make it free and available. And, and what tips that one way or the other? So I would caveat that, again, we're 24 hours into the yes. US launch. And one of the reasons why Twitter is now kind of like launching things early and so forth is to try and like learn these things with our audience versus trying to like go away in a little ivory tower and then come out and say, ta-da, we've decided what you like. Mm -hmm. So we're going to keep on doing that and we're going to keep on kind of uh, changing and kind of iterating on that. I think for, for me at least right now, my kind of thesis is around these kind of three things, which is like, where can you customize Twitter? Uh, where, mm -hmm. where are the features where they may well go out to the general public uh, um, in a while, but where we want them to be a scene experiment with the first within labs. And then where, where is it appealing, particularly to news junkies who quite frankly as well, I want to bring into this world because I want them to have a new way of supporting and funding journalism. Because as you, you've alluded to, you guys are rolling out a lot of stuff. A lot. Um, all from not the org that you run, but the org that you're part of, Twitter Spaces, which will it's your Clubhouse clone. I can see why that should be available to everyone because you want the most people available. If you have an audio chat room and there's four people there, that's not super useful for a lot of people. Uh, you guys did uh, your version of Stories. Did you call it Stories? I can't remember. Fleets. Fleets. R.I.P. Fleets. R.I.P. Um, you know. I can imagine there's probably that question every time you guys have a new product that you're playing with. Should this be behind the paywall? Should this be in the front of the paywall? Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be something where as we start to develop uh, features and so forth, or it may well be that like it's not like do we put spaces behind a paywall or not or, or within blue or not because we don't really think of it as a paywall. It's not, um, it's not a paywall in the kind of classic sense. I think it's going to be more about we're creating this, this new feature 
there are aspects of it that will appeal to the general audience. So let's put that out to the general audience. But there may be some things that appeal to a particular kind of power user. Are those, could the, uh, do those things work within Blue or not? And do they fit within a kind of cohesive product? And if so, we'll explore it. Um, but I don't think there's any particular strong rubric right now. As I said, we're like 24 hours 24 in. hours. So we're going we're gonna to see how we go. You, like we said, you've run a couple startups prior to this. You've been deeply immersed in digital publishing with an eye on sort of the, the publisher's side of it as opposed to the platforms. But you've obviously been in contact with the Googles and Facebooks and Twitters of the world for years. From the outside, what, if anything, has changed in your perspective that you're like, oh, I didn't realize this from the outside, but now that I'm here, I get this. It's tricky in some ways because you say like I've been, I've been working with publishers and platforms for a, a decade or more. Um, so when I th when I think about this question, I almost think about like what's changed in my life as a result of this this kind of stuff. And so it's it's because this is also in some ways this is the first big company I've ever worked at. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been at little startups, um, kind of fighting the fight. Uh, How many folks were at Scroll? Um, there were like 14, 15 people at Scroll. Sharpie. Uh, I think when I left, there was about 120. I don't know how many there are now. Tiny like, compared to the Twitch. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm, I'm, I'm in a company with thousands of people. And there are great things about that, which is that sometimes it's like, we have a person to help you with that. So we'd like, we have this whole amazing team to think about trust and safety who kind of come into every kind of product uh, decision and kind of like work with us on those kind of things. And there's also the opposite challenge of that, which is like, there's a person for that, but I'm not totally sure who it is. So I'm still kind of learning and navigating um, those things. Trying to figure out where the bathroom is. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a bunch of that that I'm still trying to work through. In general, the thing that, I, that has kind of really come home is like, People genuinely care. They genuinely want to try and make the world better. And they're working through the same kind of set of challenges as everyone else, just on a kind of large platform. And it's just infinitely more complex. Is there anything where you're like, oh, from the outside, I really wish that Twitter did this. And now you're there. And you're like, oh, now I know why Twitter doesn't do that. Or I can make that happen because I'm there. Um, so I think Top Articles is a kind of classic example of this. Like you said earlier, like this is something that should have been part of Twitter before. And for whatever reason, we couldn't make it happen until now. And so I'm like, I was kind of reflecting on this yesterday. And in part, yes, I'd just come off a 24-hour trip to San Francisco and a red eye. But that's not supposed to happen post-pandemic. I know, anymore. I know. It's especially just Zoom, Zoom now. Yeah. Google me. By the way, we're in person here. So that's I not know. supposed to happen it's, either. It's amazing. But I was a little teary. Um, at times yesterday and you know part of that's like pride in the team and like I'm even welling up a little bit right now like I'm so I'm so excited for them and I'm gonna offer you a tissue I know they only have Purell and hand sanitizer yeah it's like I don't want to put a hand sanitizing wipe <laughs> over my eyes I think that might be a very bad move but also just like these are things that I've longed for Twitter to do as well. Like I've always wanted a kind of nuzzle-like experience to be like built within Twitter. I've always wanted to think about like, are there different ways in which Twitter can be working with uh, with kind of journalism at large? And now we're getting to see that for the first time. And it's still, as we keep saying, it's brand new. But to me, like that the team was able to kind of bring and affect that change so fast is just a thing thing that's incredible to me. So you may mention this, but you guys launched 24 hours ago. Um, <laughs> what 
Should we expect? The, to be to be fair, we Twitter Blue has been in uh, Canada and Australia since I think June or July. What what kind of cadence should we expect? Should we expect a new publisher every couple of days, a new feature every couple of weeks? What if I'm a Twitter Blue sub? Should I expect it to change a lot all the time, or this is kind of where we are for the near future? I think what we want to try and do is we want to try and build a kind of sustainable drumbeat of this kind of thing. Because, like, I'll tell you, like, the team have been working crazy hard over the last six months. And so I think there's getting us through launch. There's taking a breath. There's listening to everything that people have to say. Like, we were the number one trending topic for a while there yesterday uh, on, on this Twitter. Is, this is the product for people who like complaining about Twitter products. Yeah, so we're, we're going to have a lot of, in, a lot of input yeah. coming in. So we, we want to take a beat. We want to listen to that, and we're just going to keep building in public, and we're going to kind of work on whatever schedule is kind of sustainable for the team and where we're actually making things better. We don't want to be just doing frenetic action for the, uh, for the sake of it, but I have already seen some of the things that are coming down the wire for the next couple of months or so, and I'm super excited to share them. You work for uh, the product team run by Kevin Bigpour, who yes. came from, what was his? Um, Periscope. Periscope, thank you. Um, so I assume you're working closely with him because it's his group. Any, any Jack input on any of this stuff? Do you float any of this up to him? What do you think, Jack? Yeah, so I, um, the main person I interact with uh, in terms of that is Kayvon, who's um, an incredible product thinker. Jack is like, he's- Who runs two companies. He runs two companies. The thing that I found is like, he'll come in at the moments that you don't expect. Like there'll be some doc that I've written about my kind of plans for X, Y, or Z that I think maybe four people at the company have read because I don't read write very readable docs. And then like there'll be a comment where Jack comes in on some kind of moment, point of minutia that he really cares about, or he's like, how is this kind of connecting up to our goals and the, the jobs that uh, jobs to be done and so forth? And I'm like, whoa, okay, shit. Um, uh, and getting back in there. So like it's not something where... Jack is in every meeting or anything like that, but it's it's he's watching. He's the ever seeing eye. The ever seeing eye. Um, yeah, it's it's it was it was a big question for me. I was like, I I'm going to a company. The the CEO also has another public company. Like, how is this going to work? Is this for real or not? And it's been surprising. So, anything he said, go make this, add this in, or take this out, or change this in a fundamental way. Go make Twitter Blue happen. Yeah, like. The best thing for a CEO is to be able to give us kind of alignment around what is the stuff that really matters and then give us the autonomy to choose how we want to make that happen. And Jack's been pretty good about that. Tony Hale, it's 24 hours since launch, 24 hours since you took a red eye back. I, I appreciate you coming in physically on a city bike. Uh, if people want to reach you on Twitter to complain. They know how to find you. Arctic Tony. Arctic Tony. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was super fun. Thanks again to Jelani and Joel, who produce and edit the show. Thanks again to our sponsors, who let us bring this show to you for free. A bunch of more cool stuff is coming your way for free in the near future. Thanks for listening. Thanks for writing. Talk to you soon. <laughs>